One billion years in the future, Earth still exists, though maybe not as we imagine it. Eras upon bygone eras worth of technology have been left behind by eight previous and fallen civilizations. It is now up to the denizens of the Ninth World to piece together what was left behind. Perhaps they're looking to carve out their place in the world, or simply to survive a land riddled with weird and unearthly dangers. Or perhaps still, they just wish to learn and uncover the secrets of the Numenera. Whatever it is this new era of adventurers and heroes is looking to discover, they'll have to dig through the imprinted echoes of the past to find it. Hello, and welcome to Imprinted Echoes, a family-friendly Numenera actual play podcast. My name is Zan, and I'll be your GM. Thank you for joining us today, and as always, we hope you're staying safe and healthy. Before we start today's episode, I wanted to ask a favor of all you lovely listeners. As our network, Ghostlight Media, moves forward to bring you more wonderful content, we want to make sure your voices are heard in what we're doing. So, our lovely network director, Chase, put together a listener feedback survey. By filling it out, you can let us know how we're doing, what we could be doing better, and what you'd like to see in the future. It would be a huge help to us if you could take some time to fill it out. It should only take you five to ten minutes, depending on how many of our shows you listen to. You can find the survey at bit.ly slash glms22. And that link will be in our episode description if you'd rather click on it. Thanks in advance for all your help and support. And now, back to the episode at hand. In order to return home, our sonic travelers will need one of the cubes from the cyclic raiders just outside the door. They have a plan, but will it survive contact with the enemy? Either way, they'll have to act fast. Threats are issued, speeches are given, and sounds are disintegrated. Join us as Nehemiah, Smallrin, and Jory fight for their chance to get back home. Okay. Okay. I'm going to phase. You're going to just come out the regular door after me. Well, so actually, yep. I think phase, pop the device, and once the noise stops, we'll come out. If we don't hear the noise stop in like 10 seconds, we'll we're come coming out. out. Okay. <laughs> Done. Got it. Um, all right. Right. Um, let's see. How can I best make myself sound like the cyclic raiders so they think that they're in my image or something like that? I'm going to have anyone but Jory right now <laughs> who is currently preparing her next prophetic speech. Oh, boy. <laughs> so, Small Room Nehemiah, go ahead and roll me perception real fast. Oh, boy. What's the difficulty? Going to be a difficulty four. Success with an 11. Success with Ooh. a 20. Ooh. Nehemiah, you hear something else outside. Something that isn't the screeching of the cyclic raiders. Something that isn't Delamin's war cry. Not quite sure what it is. With a 20, Smallrin, I will say that you can hear the sonic interference of a gardener. Oh. That came with them. Okay. New plan. Jory will have to phase out and take control of the cyclic raiders, but... Mm -hmm. There is a gardener with them. And oh, that's what it is. As a different species, they won't fall under the sway of the device. That's fine. Jory, just tell the cyclic raiders to turn on the gardener. I'll do what I can. They should follow you implicitly as a leader. Mm. Horrifying amount of power this is. I'm very glad mm -hmm. it's only temporary. I might go mad. Okay. Anything else? 
we should probably come through ten seconds no matter what, because if they turn on the gardener, there will still be noise. Yes. Is there anything else you would like for the major effect? Can it just be that Jory's commands give the cyclic raiders an extra oomph and they deal the extra plus four damage to the gardener? I would absolutely and happily allow that. Yay. Plus four damage. (laughs) I like that a lot. (laughs) All right, Jory, you spend the intellect points to start phasing through this barrier. You feel the barrier wash over you and integrate with your sound in a way that is very strange. You're used to the tingling sensation of walking through something physical, but this is a little bit different since it is sonic. You push through and push through, and you get onto the other side, and you start hearing that screeching, fighting sound, Delamin's war cries getting louder, and you get to the other side. And what you see is three cyclic raiders, a gardener, and Delamin. And they are all surrounding... Delamin at this point. The cyclic raiders are a little farther off, but the gardener is right up on him. What do you do? What do you say? My children. (laughs) I have found you at last. Years of searching for my lost three. And here you are before me. Amazing. <laughs> Incredible. Okay. So, <laughs> you deploy this device, and the three cyclic raiders, their screeching turns to silence. And the screeching, again, was a bit odd, because it's not something that they make themselves. It's these recorded sounds. So it was this dissonant jumble of animal sounds and people screaming and just kind of any sort of strange reflected noise that they had from previous. And that ceases. And they're almost silent for a moment before turning to you and regarding you. And this gardener looks at you, turns their sound towards you. Who are you? Before getting back to like pushing Delvin off. (laughs) I am the creator. What do you say to the cyclic raiders? You have been stolen from me. Your comfort lost, your meaning lost, wandering around aimlessly, created by haphazard pieces. And that is the culprit. That is what has stolen you from me and me from you. If you destroy it, you will find my comfort and my protection once again. You will find your purpose. There is but one thing left for you to do. Attack it. Without a word at all, the three cyclic raiders descend upon the gardener, who screams as they begin attacking. My morality! (laughs) You all hear that. This scream especially. You do hear Jory's muffled voice. Maybe not every single word, but you do hear this very intense speech that she just gave. And then the scream of the gardener. I think that's our cue. (laughs) Mm Mm-hmm. You make the tone, this time asking Jaskira for help, each one of you making a harmonious hum, and the doors begin to creak open. You are met with the scene of cyclic raiders attacking a gardener, and Delamin kind of in a wild way looking at the scene in front of him, half confused, half excited, half 
scared. Yes, that's three halves. It's <laughs> <laughs> uh, a lot of emotions. Lots of emotions. Well, three half notes can be in a single. All right, so we're good. With there being three cyclic raiders, and given a gardener is level four, they will not dispatch of it in one round. It will take a couple of rounds, at least two, to make that happen. So in this first round, as you open the door, as they begin their attack, what do you do? Hello, Delamond. <laughs> what happened now? Where? Get inside, Delamond. Okay. Okay. <laughs> And he runs inside. As he rushes past, she catches him real quick and just says, she does this a lot. Don't worry about it. <laughs> uh-huh. And Delamond runs inside. Jory, I feel as if two is probably enough. Is it possible for you to call one of them over? I can do anything right now. I'm a god. <laughs> oh, no. You! Forget summoning a deity. Jory just I know. is one. <laughs> Wait, no, that's it. That's it's the been thing. Leaking. The it's very, like a battery. Because the very first time that we turned Jory into a deity was when she, was right around the time she got the box. Yep, that's true. That's it's true. Been leaking energy ever since. It's just leaking. It's just leaking into me. Mm-hmm. Ooh, plot twist. Uh, new law. You Four energy. You there. I will try to direct my voice just to one of them so they don't have to stop to see me point. All three of them turn their head towards you. Unfortunately, this is a mass suggestion. Any suggestion you make to the group of them, they will all follow. In that moment, as you try to call to them, Mm -hmm. the gardener is able to get a blast of dissonant energy out towards one of the raiders and disable it. I'd like to just take out the frilled ball poison claw and throw it like a dagger at the gardener. Go ahead and make me speed level four. And I'm going to go ahead and spend for a point of effort with that because I really want this to work. Success with a nine. You throw the frilled ball claw. And what this looks like here is the growl of a frilled ball just torpedoing through space at this gardener and hitting it on the side and that growl just spreading over it the way you might imagine poison spreading through someone's bloodstream. The gardener crumples and is dissipated. The attacks that the three of them were able to get off in that first bit along with that is enough. Nehemiah puts the uh, emo acoustic weapon away. Emo acoustic. Back on the holster. <laughs> well struck. Thank you. Honestly, everybody, round of applause. Round of applause. <laughs> he does emit a clapping noise. <laughs> In a little circle. <laughs> exactly. GM intrusion. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. This is going to be for... I feel like Nehemiah, since Nehemiah was the one not necessarily directly involved. I know the last sure. one was for you too, but this works. Okay. Most, most best? Most best. Most best. Most best. You hear a voice. You hear something coming from afar, something running towards you, not at a particularly fast speed, but running towards you nonetheless. A very ostentatious oboe. Of course he is. (laughs) What have you done? The right thing. (laughs) Liars, the lot of you. This is a GM intrusion. Yeah, that's fine. That's fine. Okay, so go ahead and take one XP then. Who would you like to give the other XP to in this situation? I will give that extra XP to Smallrin for good claw throw. Yeah. 
Otarsh runs up to you mm-hmm. and attempts to command the raiders, get them! These these false sounds! Don't just stand there! Leave now or you die. What? Threats against me? You are Three. threatening my children is what you are Two. doing, you false prophet! One. He doesn't leave. I attack. Okay. That is a might roll. What's the difficulty? Level four. I will spend speed effort to lower that. Mm-hmm. Failure with a seven. Would you like to re-roll that? You can spend an XP to re-roll. You know what? I will spend that XP to re-roll that. Failure with a five. Oh, lordy. Oof. Roll 20 is not nice to you today. No. no. That's fine. That's fine. I have a thought. <laughs> okay. You go in to try and strike mm-hmm. at Otarsh, and he kind of just like chuckles and steps aside. I'm well out of reach of you. I have skills you wouldn't deign to understand. Hand over my collection, and we don't have to deal with this. Thunder vocalizer. (laughs) So that is an automatic four points of damage. Great. And I roll 14. It maintains. Amazing. You push Otarsh back with this thunderous demand. And he buckles a little bit, but stands back up. I'm not leaving without my investment. Smallrin kind of whispers in Jory's ear. You could just tell them to kill him now. I'm working on my phrasing. Jory, I don't want to find out what it is he thinks he can do. I know it's probably a lot. So tell them to kill him. I'm going to, I'm going to. All of you mm-hmm. need to make an intellect level four defense roll. Okay. Spending to drop that down. Ooh. Natural oh. one, additional GM intrusion. Failure with a seven. Success with a 17. You feel this harmonic sound wash over you. Something that Otarsh is just emitting. And it is gloriously beautiful. Apparently, he has a singing voice that matches that of the choir that he had in tow. It's so sweet that you can't help but go along with that music. You can't help but listen and allow yourself to be lost in the harmony that he is emitting. Nehemiah and Jory, you find that you can't move. You are held in place by this harmonious interference and influence. What this is, is mechanically. Harmonious influence allows the user to take control of the other person. Mm-hmm. I'm not here to take away your agency, though, so it is a paralytic in gotcha. this case. Smolrin, you are able to resist this influence, to steal your own silence against it. For the GM intrusion, Nehemiah, you see this, but can't necessarily do anything about it. Mm-hmm. You see this harmonious influence also flow over the cyclic raiders, and you see one of them starting to break free Mm. of Jory's influence, starting to be able to move of its own accord and not necessarily hang on her every word. Okay. And you see it starting to reach into a compartment that it has and pull out a small cube. Uh Uh-huh. 
So I'm not under the influence of this. You are not. Cool. Smallrin's gonna dart forward with her sonic blade and using the plus one damage I got from that intellect defense roll. <laughs> and she's gonna try and kill Otars. Go ahead and roll me a... That will be might, since it's not ranged. Okay. So it's still melee. So it'll be a might attack, but it is eased one, so it'll be a level, level three. Because you have a light weapon that eases it. Oh, I forgot. I'm gonna spend for that point of effort. For sure. Success oh, with a 19 oh. plus oh. three damage. And Yay. the Sonic Blade is four. It's it's a plus two damage light weapon. I'm assuming you want the damage. Oh, of course I do. I also, if you'll allow it, want to use the plus one damage from the previous roll, which would put me at eight points of total damage. Hmm. That is enough. <laughs> so normally, being level four or Otarsh would have 16 health. But he had to go through the dead zone and took some damage from that. I already had that written in. So <laughs> I'll allow that eight because I think this is a cool moment. The way I'm picturing it is Smallrin essentially feeling the wave of like glorious sound from Otarsh's voice coming towards her. Kind of shielded herself behind Nehemiah, essentially. Ducked down behind mm-hmm. his sound. Was able to steal herself against it. And then she's basically like kind of swinging, swings around Nehemiah, heads for Otarsh, and in a physical sense, ducked down to the ground, kind of underneath his sound as much as possible, swerves around, gets behind him, and just whap. And that sonic blade cuts right through that harmonious interference, slices it into a million different frequencies, and he kind of looks around as the sound of his own being starts to disintegrate and just looks at you and says, you have no idea what you've done. And the sound is gone. It becomes that pile of white noise that you have seen previously. At this point, the influence that was over Jory and Nehemiah dissipates as his sound does. What's going on with that one cyclic raider that I saw coming to? (laughs) It also starts to not be influenced by that, but right now it is kind of confused. Like it's kind of resisted the control of Jory, but no longer has the influence of Otarsh and it's kind of just like in this middle space of I don't know what's going on. It's kind of like frozen in confusion. I would immediately walk over and try and snatch the cube out of its hand. Absolutely. Make me a might check level five. Okay. Just try and grab it. I'm going to spend a point to try and drop that to a four. And we're going to see how that goes. Failure with a four. And smaller and just goes, Jory. My lieutenants have succeeded once again in unburdening you from the control of the false prophet. And now it is time for the last step. In your ascension, you must leave behind all that weighs you down so that you may finally see the purity of your true forms. So specifically, you're telling them to empty their pockets? Yes. <laughs> Are you shaking them down for lunch money here? <laughs> no, I'm, I'm unburdening we're, them of their worldly possessions. We're, we're passing the plate. <laughs> we're passing the plate. Tithe time. <laughs> Nima, you go to try and grab this cube. Mm-hmm. You both have your hand on it. And you're kind of like, you know, that back and forth of, no, I, it's mine, it's mine, it's mine. And it pulls it away from you. 
and you, for a moment, you get back the sound that you made, like it reflects your own voice, mm-hmm. leave before Jory begins to try and re-control mm-hmm. these. The one that had remained holds out its belongings, which are a couple of inconsequential or used ciphers and a box. And the one that is still outside of Jory's control remains outside. It seems that it has just broken that connection somehow with what Otarsh did and remains kind of hostile, not attacking you, but definitely not cooperating. Mm-hmm. So you have a box being held out to you mm-hmm. and one cyclic raider being uncooperative. I will go and take the box from the one that is offering it mm-hmm. and I will use my emo acoustic weapon against the cyclic raider that has thrown off the charm mm-hmm. and I will use the status calm because fear might might cause a response. I don't want a response. I want <laughs> calm. You want it to be chill. Thank you. And this calm feeling washes over it and it just kind of stops and relaxes and takes on the expression and feeling as though it were like looking out onto a calm pastoral view somewhere as though this is the best place ever and this is the only situation it would ever want to be in. (laughs) All right. There we go. You can feel it, my children. That peace... Finally, after all this time, you are free. You're free. And you can find your own voices now. Hey Frank, can I have can I have that little cube? You're not gonna need that anymore. You know it. <laughs> <laughs> With the emo acoustic weapon being deployed in this and calm being the emotion, I'll say that it kind of just not mindlessly, but kind of just graciously hands the cube over to you. Mm-hmm. Thank you. And wanders away. Oh. Jory, what do you do with the one that you're still in control of? You may go, my child. You no longer need to burden yourself with the trouble of this place. Go to your compatriot and join them on their quest. And it follows the other. All right, we got like nine minutes before that other one wakes up, so we should probably get to getting, you know? (laughs) Okay. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Let's let let let's go inside. <laughs> Tiptoe backwards <laughs> and close the door. God, I'm so sorry. That got way messier than I intended it to be. Good small Ren, like like ten out of ten. Good job on that. On the whole Otar situation, he got what was coming to him. Let's leave. Yeah, Smaller okay. is just emitting like the most contented smug energy you've ever felt from her she just got to kill multiple people in a matter of minutes and nobody yelled at her for it everyone's happy about (laughs) it she's feeling real good right now this is like the old days uh on morally ambiguous murder you can't beat it you can't it's oh it's such a rush you head back into the barrier to the central chamber here in Rhapsody. You have a little bit more time now. You're not being pursued by anyone. You don't have anyone knocking down your barricade. So you have a bit of time to figure out exactly what it is your next steps are. You have the box and you have the data sphere spike here. Mm-hmm. And it's really just going to be a matter of figuring out how those fit together. Can I remember how the box was unfolded from my vision? Oh, 100%. Yes. I just start anti-rubrics cubing this thing. 
You start twisting and pushing and pulling all of the different parts of this box and it eventually reforms into a box again after you like moved all these parts and kind of reconfigure all of the moving pieces to it. And it starts glowing and a small light, almost portal, starts to grow from it. <laughs> this will serve as your map, essentially. If you are able to connect this to the data sphere spike, it will make that connection. Okay. No problem. You have the group of people here, these group of, of sounds, and the combination of Edos, Nick, and Adarshi. Edos says, I am not sure what is going to happen to us when we travel with you. Mm-hmm. We had to combine our sounds in order to make this place viable as it is. And I'm not sure how permanent that will be. Okay. But we'll see. And Darshi says, I am willing to make whatever sacrifice needs to be made in that way, so long as we can make sure that my people, the ones that you are relatively certain are back on your side of things, are able to get back here. Mm-hmm. If we can find a way to make that happen. I'm willing to go through whatever process it will be transferring over. This should, once we can figure out how to hook up this to the spike, this should open up a gate for us, at least for the time being. You'll have to deal with getting out of here, but... And we do have two of them. So even if for some reason this one is of no use when we're through, we do have a second. We can connect back. Okay. I'm, uh, I'm not going to lie, this makes me a little nervous, but uh, here, we, here we go. <laughs> All right. Here we go. Do we know how to hook this thing up? I do. I know how to at least make this work, but I'm going to need everybody's help. Mm-hmm. Just talk us through it. We're going to have to learn how to do this, and just in case you can't talk us through it next time. Yes. Eidos brings the three of you around as this glowing, growing portal from the cube sits at the center of things and takes it to what you recognize as before where you had gotten that bits of information from the smaller graveyard. You feel that hum and static of information pulsing near the center of this area. All right, I'm going to need each of you to really hone in on what it is that brought you here, what it is that your skills have given you what it is each of your special abilities have been the most poignant. We need to make sure that everyone gets through here. You need to make sure that your being is correctly redistributed on the other side. I am going to ask each of you to basically, it's not going to be a role. This is just going to be a straight narrative description. Mm -hmm. Based something on your character description, either your focus, type, or descriptor, what it is that you feel is the core of who your character is and what moment or idea or thing you might be focusing on to really make sure that your whole self is fully transmitted through the data sphere back home. Nehemiah focuses on being the one in front, being the one who takes the hit, being the one who makes the hard decisions. Nehemiah is protective. Whether or not that works out is secondary. 
but he makes the attempt so that others don't have to feel pain that at one time he was in charge of inflicting. Jory is curious and likes to know, likes to get to know everything that she can about every circumstance, every individual, everything, just to greet it. And this is a new experience to be greeted, and she wants to see what it's like, how everybody back home is doing, how everybody here is going to make it through. Smallrin wields power with precision. She is the small but terrifyingly sharp blade. She is the subtle poison. She is the last piece of information that we need to make things work. She finds exactly what is needed and uses it precisely how it needs to be used. You each focus on these inherently strong parts of your being, your soul, of your mind, of your existence. And Eidos pushes this growing portal towards this data sphere connection, and it grows. You feel the same feeling that you had when you originally transferred here, as though your consciousness is spread across multiple places at once, as though you can feel and hear and see dozens of places and times and people, and then you feel it re-coalesce, pushing towards a destination. And in a moment, you all blink hard as you are blinded by a shining sun in an open field under a glowing orb. And that is where I'm going to call it. <laughs> <laughs> Yo. We got eyes again. Ooh. Let's go. Oh, yay. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh. Oh. Ah. <laughs> oh. <sighs> you get to touch so much so. stuff. <laughs> oh. <laughs> touch, 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 touch. Hey, hey, roll 20. Go die in a fire. <laughs> oh, man. Jeez. Thank you so much for listening to episode 69 of Imprinted Echoes. As always, if you'd like to follow the podcast on social media, you can find us on Twitter and Facebook at Imprinted Echoes and our website, imprintedechoes.com. On that website, you can find links to the Ghostlight Media merch store and our Patreon if you're able to help us out monetarily. And in that vein, I would like to thank Joel, Ice Deer Brewing, and Christina for their continued support. If you'd like to help us out in other ways, Please take a moment to subscribe to the podcast, leave us a rating and review, and tell a friend about the show. And once again, a reminder, if you could, to please fill out our listener survey. Once again, you can find that at bit.ly slash glms22. And of course, you can find our hosts on Twitter, myself at Covered and Sawdust, Chase at TQ Loudly, Rin at Rin underscore Moran, and Bridget at Really Bridget. And be sure to follow our network, Ghostlight Media, at GLM Pods. Thanks once again for listening, and I hope you'll come back in two weeks to hear yet another episode of Imprinted Echoes. And until then, may your ciphers never malfunction. Imprinted Echoes is produced by Zan Campbell-Johannes and Chase Greenley, and is edited by Alex Berkowitz. Original show theme music is by Justin Longacre. This has been a Ghost Light Media production.